Hey, I received an email forward back uh, a while ago, which in no way is an invitation for you to begin sending me all of your email forwards that you'll think I'll enjoy, uh, unless it's funny, all right? If you're going to send me an email forward, please uh, please be sure that it's funny. But, but I received this email. Chances are you've read it. I, I think it's a comedy bit, so it's possible that you've heard it before, but here's how it goes. Stupid people should have to wear signs that just say, I'm stupid. That way you wouldn't rely on them, would you? You wouldn't ask them anything. It would, it'd be like, excuse me, oops, oh, never mind, I didn't see the sign there. It's like this. It's like before my wife and I moved. Our house was full of boxes and there was a U-Haul truck in our driveway. My neighbor comes over and says, hey, you guys moving? Nope, we just pack up our stuff once or twice a week to see how many boxes it takes. Here's your sign. Or a couple months ago, I went fishing with a buddy of mine. We pulled his boat into the dock. I lifted up this big old stringer of bass and this idiot on the dock goes, hey, you catch all those fish? No, they just surrendered. We talked themselves into giving up. Here's your sign. Or last time I had a flat tire, I pulled my truck into one of those side of the road gas stations. The attendant walks out, looks at my truck, looks at me and he said, your tire go flat? I couldn't resist at that moment. I said, nope, you know what? I was just driving around and those other three tires just swelled right up on me. Here's your sign. Or I learned to drive an 18-wheeler in my days of adventure. Wouldn't you know I misjudged the height of a bridge? The truck got stuck and I couldn't get it out no matter how I tried. I radioed in for help and eventually a local cop shows up to take the report. He went through all of the basic questioning. Okay, no problem. I thought for sure he was clear of needing a sign until he asked, so you think your truck's stuck? I couldn't help myself. I looked at him, looked back at the rig, and then back at him and said, no, I'm just delivering this bridge here, sir. Here's your sign. Or I stayed late at work one night and a coworker looked at me and said, hey, are you still here? I replied, no, actually, I left about 10 minutes ago. But here's your sign. Uh Uh, Anybody know anyone that needs a sign like this? You know, I was thinking about it. Sometimes I wonder if it would be helpful uh, to just go ahead and tape this right to the front of my shirt. It would kind of make things easier, wouldn't it? You just walk around as a self-proclaimed, hey, I'm stupid. Uh, I'm going to say something dumb. Uh, I'm going to make the wrong decision. I'm going to make the wrong choice. You know, and whether you say it to your spouse or to your coworkers uh, or maybe your friends or your kids or something, uh, I know that I qualify to wear this sign once in a while. Uh, take, for example, I might come home from work and, uh, you know, in a tone that maybe isn't appropriate and I, I shouldn't mean it that way. I don't think I really meant it that way. I might say to my wife, what'd you do today? Kind of like, you know, I'm making this statement of, hey, did you do anything around here when that wasn't my intention at all? But would it make it easier if I just wore the sign or 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 how about this? Uh, we were driving in the van yesterday with our kids and, and they were getting a little rowdy. And and I just I leaned back and I said to them, Joel, why, why don't you just close your eyes and turn and look out the window or something? And and my wife quickly pointed out the uh, the uh, the idiosity of that. Um, is the word idiot? Is that a word? Idiosity? I, I don't know. It wasn't in the notes here. But or, you know, maybe when I blow up at my kids or something, it'd just be a lot easier if I just put on a sign and somehow, you know, it'd all be simpler or something. I, I hope I'm not alone in this. And in the qualifications for, for such a sign. But we're, we're doing this series entitled Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. And, and it has a bit of a sarcastic ring to it. Now, over the last few weeks, we've, we've talked about drifting from God. We've talked about some of the dangers of slipping in our faith. We've talked about addictions. Uh, we've talked about satisfaction in life. And, and, and as we discuss these things and as you hear these different ideas or thoughts or principles, it, it's kind of easy to look at some of them and think, 
well, duh, that's stupid. You know, I, I mean, I would never do that or, or who does that? And until you kind of step back and you think about it and you look at some of them and you go, oh, wait, yeah, I, I guess I guess I am guilty of some of those things. I, I guess I need to put the sign back on. Well, we wrap up this series this morning talking about marriage, but but more specifically, I want to spend some time today talking about affairs, the dangers of affairs, the dangers of slipping into adultery. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, God is very clear in some of his thoughts, his desire for marriage, those things that we ought to avoid. Exodus 20, 14, you, sh- you must not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. I was reading recently, according to the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, that today up to 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery by the age of 40. Now, if you stop and think about how shocking those numbers are for just a moment, it's painful. And, and let's just put those numbers aside. I mean, I think every one of us you know, probably know of someone. We, we know of a marriage that is, is broken apart, a, a divorce. We know of some unfaithfulness. Maybe you've experienced it in your own home. I mean, it's painful. It's a sad story. And the thing is, is it's not like anyone sets out on their wedding day with this desire of, hey, you know what? I'm going to commit adultery one day. You know, that, that's just one of the goals that I have for this particular marriage. It doesn't happen like that. Well, then why does adultery happen? I mean, I, I think there are a number of reasons for this, and we'll talk about a few of those this morning. But let's be very clear from the beginning that the truth is the one thing that every marriage has in common, that you and I have in common in this world today, whether you know Jesus Christ or not, is that we have a spiritual enemy. That there is a spiritual enemy that exists in this world today, and his name is Satan. Satan is your spiritual enemy. Uh, He thrives on division. His whole mission, according to Scripture, is to steal and kill and destroy everything that is right and everything that is precious to the heart of God. And your life and your heart are precious to the heart of God. Whether you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior or not, your heart and your life are precious to God. And, And the marriage covenant, the gift of marriage, is precious to the heart of God too. But unfortunately, we have an enemy that is at work today in our lives, in this world, and in our marriages. He is actively at work trying to seduce and lure many of us into marital unfaithfulness or into adultery. Now, we don't plan on it, and it's not like we always see it coming. It's almost like it's this deceptive lure of support, of sorts. It's this slow process. Now, what does that deceptive lure look like? What is Satan's process, his, his tactics, what do they look like? Well, let me just give you one simple example. I mean, it could start off with something as simple as what you read and what you read regularly. I mean, maybe for you, it's a magazine. And I'm not even talking about something like Playboy. You know, I mean, maybe for you, it's just it's the swimsuit issue or maybe it's it's Maxim magazine or something. Uh, Maybe for you, it's a it's a steamy novel or or maybe it's just a website that you visit regularly that kind of has borderline content. It's what you watch on TV or it, it starts off with Sex in the City or Grey's Anatomy or something. And we just say, hey, it's just TV. I mean, I just enjoy the show. I enjoy the story. It's entertainment. It's not like it's affecting me or having an impression on me in any way. But all of a sudden, let's just suppose that one day you wake up dissatisfied with your spouse and you start thinking, you know what? My spouse isn't really all that I hoped for. Or or this marriage isn't going as I had planned or I'm not even sure I, I, I would choose the same partner Again, I'm a little disappointed in my marriage. And before you know it, someone else has caught your attention. 
someone that you look forward to seeing and and there's nothing happening she's just fun to be around you know he's very charming and, and you look forward to seeing them I mean, is it really a sin to look forward uh, to being someone, even if it's someone of the opposite sex? But again, it's, it's Satan's work. It, it's these small steps. It's this slow process. It's Satan's deceptive lure. Because the truth is that no one sets out on their wedding day to fall into marital unfaithfulness. No one has this idea or this plan to commit adultery. So how does it happen? You know, why does it happen? Why do marriages fall apart? Well, let me just give you five easy steps. You know, just five very obvious, easy, proven steps, guaranteed method or path uh, towards a broken marriage, towards adultery, whatever you want to call it, a guaranteed path to an affair. Okay, so bear with me. Here are the steps. Number one, want to have an affair? Start with this, this deceptive lure, neglect your marriage. Uh, Make that your starting point. You want to wreck your life, want to wreck your marriage and fall victim to an affair? Neglect your marriage. Just simply take it for granted. And there are all sorts of ways of doing this. I mean, find something outside of your marriage and give a majority of yourself to that event or to that hobby, whatever it may be. You know, maybe for you, it's it's a business. You know, you run a business, you're just getting it off the ground. And so you pour everything that you have into that particular business. Or, Or maybe it's a second job or something that you have to do on the weekends or something. Or it could be a hobby. I mean, maybe it's hunting or fishing, playing golf, running, whatever it may be. Just take something outside of your marriage and put more of yourself into this rather than into your marriage. Quit taking care of yourself. You know, try that or or just let your body go. Take your marriage for granted. And as you're neglecting your marriage, start avoiding intimacy with your spouse. You know, and let it begin with a relational intimacy. Don't share your heart with your wife. Avoid sexual intimacy with your husband. Take it all for granted, but neglect your marriage. The second thing is this. Form an emotional bond with someone else. All right, so... Form an emotional emotional bond. You know, neglect your marriage, neglect your spouse, but next, find someone else you enjoy, someone of the opposite sex, and share a common interest with them. I mean, maybe you work on a a project together at work. Uh, Maybe you play on the co-ed volleyball team together, or uh, maybe it's someone even from your connection group. But whoever it is, find find a common interest, and then form an emotional bond with them. Enjoy finding things in common. Start opening up to that person. Talk about life, and, and talk about struggles that you might have. And then this, if they're a Christian, ask them to pray for you. You know, start asking them to pray for some of the things that you're struggling with, or even your own marriage. A third thing is, anticipate time together. You know, I mentioned taking your body for granted. If someone else comes along, start paying attention to your body again. I mean, if you're going to the gym in the mornings, take a few extra minutes to get ready, to prepare yourself, knowing that you're going to see that person. Put makeup on. You know, wear the tighter shirt. You know, not for your husband, but for that someone else. And when you know you're going to see them, put on your best and show up when they are there. Anticipate the time. The fourth thing is to flirt whenever possible. And you can get creative here with this one. Proven, proven method. You know, laugh a lot, play, play jokes, flip your hair, you know, flex your abs. Even if you don't have them, just flex them anyways. You know, do these things, uh, leave little notes, send an email or a text. But if you do that, make sure you delete it so they can't find it. The fifth thing, make excuses and begin rationalizing each of your actions. You know, tell yourself, well, if my wife were only meeting my needs, I wouldn't have to look at this or If my husband had a sensitive cell in his body, you know, I wouldn't need this friend in my life. Or if my spouse weren't me or were meeting my needs, if this other person makes me happy, he is my soulmate. I mean, rationalize, lie to yourself and 
And finally, and this is kind of an overarching theme, you know, in every marriage, you know, and it's not in your notes, but when it comes to setting yourself up for potential failure in your marriage, no matter what that may look like, you know, come, excuse me, come to this conclusion, guaranteed, say to yourself, it would never happen to me. And make this rationalization, come to this conclusion in your life that there is no way that it would ever happen to me. There was no way that this would ever happen to my spouse, happen in our marriage. It could never happen to us. Five easy steps. Five guaranteed, guaranteed things you can do. It's, it's Satan's deceptive lure. Now, if this is your first week with us, uh, we don't typically take such a sarcastic tone uh, here on Sunday mornings, and I don't mean in any way to make light of a very serious subject. Adultery and affairs, you know, are a serious matter, and I realize that this is a very sensitive subject for some of you, maybe more than some more than others, uh, because for some of you, this topic comes way too close to your heart or to your home, your family. Maybe you've been involved in an affair, and uh, you, you know for certain the, the pain and, and the frustration uh, and the healing that has or needs to take place in your life. Maybe you've been the victim of an affair. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was your son. Maybe your marriage survived in an affair. And, and, and praise God for that. Praise God for the work that he is doing in your marriage and that he continues to do. But maybe... Maybe the healing hasn't taken place. Maybe the marriage wasn't put back together and maybe mom and dad never got back together for you. And so the, the wounds are still very real. And, and I want you to know that I've been praying for you and I've been praying for God's continued work in your life and in your marriage. And I promise you that if you cling to Jesus Christ, I promise that he can heal you. That if you cling to Jesus Christ, that he can offer that healing for each of us. But the fact is that our marriages are at a great risk today. You know, and, and we could choose to avoid the subject. We could say, hey, this is just one of those untouchables that we're not going to talk about in church. But if we don't talk about it here, where are we going to discuss it? But Satan has launched an all-out attack on our marriages. And in my short time of ministry, I've, I've heard many stories. I've seen examples of broken marriages. I've seen it in our own extended family. I've seen the consequences of adultery in a person's life, a spouse's life, and the lives of children involved. And I know that if you don't look out for your marriage, whether it's good or bad right now, the effects can be devastating. And if you allow your marriage to go neglected, who knows what could be in store for the future? Now, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family, we went on vacation for a week and uh, we went down to the panhandle of Florida, to the Pensacola region, uh, for a vacation slash wedding. If you've got to go to a wedding, why not go to Pensacola? So we, were, we looked forward to that week and had a great time on the beach. Now, if you've been watching the news, all of the news is focused on the Gulf Coast region and, and the oil leak right now, the oil spill, and, and some of the early signs uh, of the devastation. And having been down there, I mean, it's such a sad story. Uh, to see it on the news, it's in every newspaper, it's all that people are talking about because they have no idea, you know, the people that live in the Gulf Coast, how this is going to radically change 
uh, their future and, and the beaches and the industry and people's jobs and well-being and, and, and all of that. Our, our final day there, we were uh, free of tar balls all week, but the final day they, they started washing ashore and you could, you could walk along the shore and you could pick it up. It looked like a little chocolate chip and you could just take it and kind of rub it out in your finger. And, and again, they, they are only anticipating the worst. And I don't know, we don't know the cause. I mean, was it neglect? What happened? But, you know, what started out as a small spill, just a, a bit of neglect. I mean, people are preparing for the very worst. I mean, they're using the words catastrophe. And that's the danger of neglecting your marriage. Because you can choose to continue overlooking, you know, some of the bad habits that you might have in your life or in your marriage right now. And they might seem like small things. But if left unnoticed, if we don't do things to make it right, to establish better habits, who knows what it could turn into. And we're talking years upon years or or possibly irreparable damage. You know, no right person sets out to commit adultery. And, and you might think that it'll never happen to you. Unfortunately, it is easy to fall victim to the work of Satan in your life. And his ways lead to a destructive path. He is set to wreck your life. You know, he is set to wreck your marriage. And, and I say that what if Genesis Church be one of those churches that just stands up and say, you know what, it's, we're going to take a stand for marriages. That, that we're going to do everything that we can to take a stand for marriages in our church to support one another, to encourage one another, to get these things right. And when a marriage is going through a difficult time, that we can extend grace and help to help that marriage get through, that we can welcome people back that have been restored. You know, that's the type of church that we want to be. I say Hamilton County needs it. I say your children need it. They need mom and dad to get marriage right. Your children need that. I want to look at Proverbs 5 with you for just a few minutes, and you can turn there right now. Proverbs chapter 5 is about a father. His name is Solomon. And he is speaking these words of wisdom to his son. He's offering some really strong words about life and about marriage. And he's basically saying, son, hey, you're going to have to work at your marriage. Don't just simply take it for granted. But you're going to have to work at marriage. And you're going to have to work hard to avoid the temptation of what he calls the adulterous woman. That adultery, that this temptation, that it's out there and you're going to have to work hard against it. And so I want to take a look at just three portions of this chapter this morning and identify just a few practical pieces of advice that Solomon is offering to his son, but he's giving these words to you and me too. You know, this is for you, whether you're single, uh, whether you're dating, whether you're newly married, whether you've been in it for 30 years. Like Solomon's son, you and I will be tempted. We will be faced with trying circumstances in life and marriage. And so the question is, how do we avoid this deceptive lure that Satan offers. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. Here's what Solomon says. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. I I think the first piece of advice that Solomon is offering to his son that comes to you and me too is that when it comes to your marriage and when it comes to avoiding adultery, do whatever it takes to reduce the risks. You need to make a decision in your life to do whatever it takes to reduce the risks. You know, Solomon says, stay away from her. I mean, he's being pretty clear. Keep a path from her in the NIV. 
And here's the problem with many of us. We believe that when it comes to adultery, we always look to like the, when the line is actually crossed, that the sin is right here when the physical intimacy has taken place. And so we always look to that and we label that that's the sin. All right. It's right there in that moment. And the danger is that, that when we, we put our eyes and our focus on just this, we sometimes miss the beginning of Satan's deceptive lure, which is way over here. And we say, you know, this is okay. You know, and so we're, so we have this unique friendship. So we like to talk. So we have this unique emotional bond. So I'm somewhat attracted to her. It's no big deal. It's not like it's over here. You know, it's not like we're actually doing anything. It's just here. It's just a friendship you know, I'm okay. I, 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 that's not a problem for me. I'm not going to cross that line. But, but here's what God says about that. I mean, we may think it's okay, but God says, no, that's not right. I mean, we may call that sin, but God calls this sin too. When our, when our intentions are improper and not right, we put sin way over here with physical adultery and God puts it way back here. Look at these strong words, this powerful statement, Matthew chapter five, verse 28. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ouch. Convicting. I mean, stay away from her, Solomon said. Reduce the risk. Guard your heart. Guard your eyes. Guard your mind. You know, for those of you who are married, ask yourself this. What if, what if you had this video camera of a sort installed in your brain that collected data all day long, uh, every decision you made, uh, every peak, every glance, every word, every website, What if all that data was collected and each day it was delivered to your spouse for their own viewing? Would you be comfortable? Could you be able to say, you know, I'm a person of integrity? If you're single and you're here today, this is not a freebie day for you. And I know you might enjoy looking around right now and watching other couples kind of cringe and and move around. but, But this is for you too. I mean, let's just suppose for a moment that every decision, every choice, every action... And your life was being videotaped right now. Every movie. Every date. And let's just be real. I mean, our society, our culture today says that, hey, anything goes in a dating relationship. You're more than welcome, you know, to cross the line sexually. It's accepted and almost encouraged of a sorts. But all of that information, every decision was collected and one day delivered to your future spouse for their viewing. Would you be comfortable sharing all that insight with them, all of that experience with them as you get ready to step into your marriage. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying, as I heard one person say one right now, if you're single right now, do what you need to do right now to get yourself ready for your future marriage. You make a decision today that this is the person I am going to be with my eyes and my, you know, focused on Christ. And I am going to be this person in my life right now, establishing this boundaries so that I can be a better spouse to my future spouse. Now make that decision in your life today. Stay faithful to your future spouse. Solomon said, reduce the risk, stay away from her. Now, what are some very practical things that you can do right now to reduce the risk in your marriage? Let me just give you a few of them real quickly. Uh, First thing, center your life on Christ. And that's for every single one of us. Make sure that your first priority in living in this world today is to center your life on Jesus Christ. It always comes back to this. You know, get in God's word. Commit yourself to being a follower of Jesus. Don't be a fan. 
be led by the Spirit of God in your life. When you start to sin, uh, seek God and His assistance. If you're feeling lured into temptation, ask God to give you the strength, strength that it can only come from heaven. But let the Spirit of God convict you when you slip up. We all slip up. But let the Spirit of God convict you. Seek His forgiveness and then be changed. You know, don't just keep going back to the same thing. Center your life on Christ. And when you neglect your life with Christ, the danger is that we become more and more vulnerable to this deceptive lure of Satan. Another thing is this, never be alone with the wrong people. I want to challenge you to never be alone with the wrong people. Now, for many of you, this is someone of the opposite sex, but maybe the challenge for some of you, it is the the person of the same sex. I mean, you define the wrong people. Don't be alone with them. I mean, let me give you an example of this. In in my world and in ministry, uh, it is only appropriate and right that we set some boundaries as pastors um, for what we will and and, and won't do. And so here uh, at Genesis, for our staff, we've put some boundaries in place that we strive uh, to, to maintain. Things like, I won't eat a meal with someone of the opposite sex without my wife being there. Uh, I won't do that. Uh, or share a cup of coffee with someone else. We ask our staff to do the same. Um, I, if you come to meet with me, if you come to talk to me and, and you're a woman, uh, if we meet in my office, my door is going to be open. There's always going to be someone else in the building. Uh, it's just a boundary that I've established for myself. And, and we've asked the staff to kind of abide by these. It, these are just kind of no brainers in ministry. Uh, these are things that we seek to do. We do everything possible and, you know, occasionally sure there's an exception, but we seek to avoid these at all costs to establish these boundaries, you know, for our protection and for the protection of someone else. Now, I realize that this is the, that's the world of ministry, but in your world, that, that might not be the way that things are. I, I realize that the real world is completely different and the, the business world is different. And, and I have to just be honest with you, it's shocking to me what things are sometimes appropriate, you know, in, in the business world, you know, that a man and woman uh, can eat together or almost expected or it's just kind of a norm, you know, and even if you're not married or I, I realize that for some of you, it's a business trip or traveling with someone uh, of the opposite sex. And, and I realize that you might not be able to avoid some of these things, but if you can, I, I would suggest that, that you do. You take every step to reduce the risk, as Solomon said. Another thing, never talk badly about your marriage with someone else of the opposite sex. Just don't do it. You know, I think it's totally inappropriate for a woman to talk to another man who's not her husband about maybe her problems that she's having in her marriage. And and men, you shouldn't do the same with another woman. Unless, of course, it's your grandma. And then it's completely acceptable. You can do that with your grandma. Uh, Another thing, get around strong marriages. You know, hey, young couples, you know, or if you're just getting married or whatever, I would encourage you to find a marriage, maybe here in this church or somebody that you know, a marriage that's focused on Christ, two people that you admire and you love and you say, you know what, I want our marriage, I want our family to be like that and get around them. You know, invite them to coach you, you know, say, hey, what if we got together once a month for dinner or once a month for coffee or something? Could we just ask you some questions? Could you ask us some questions and keep us accountable? If you're here and you're married and you've been married for 10 15, 20, 30 years, and you know you've made some mistakes, but you've learned some things along the way, and you are committed to one another, go find a young couple and offer that coaching to them. You know, just be intentional. Invite some other young couples around you and just say, you know what, we're going to form a connection group with these couples, or we're going to form a connection group with these young singles, you know, that we can just kind of just kind of do life with them and teach them some of the things that we've learned. And, and my hope is that our connection groups can be those kinds of places whether you're married or single, where we can just support and encourage one another. Another thing, avoid inappropriate situations and places. And I don't know what these places are for you. Maybe it's on your business trip when all of your colleagues go out for the night. It's kind of the nightlife of the trip. 
And maybe you know that you need to go back to the room and you need to call an accountability partner and say, I made a right decision tonight and I just need you to hold me accountable on this one. I mean, maybe that's for you. But maybe you're in an appropriate place right now as Facebook. And Facebook has offered, you know, this privilege, this benefit of being able to connect with people all over the place, people you went to school with, high school with, college with, or whatever. And maybe for you right now, there's a relationship that is formed with somebody that you're just getting to know. And it's sure fun. And it seems safe. Or maybe for you, it's an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend, and you've reconnected, and it's just kind of fun to talk the past again. Maybe it's time to cancel the Facebook account. We, we used to be able to do life without it, and I think we can do life without it even today. Or, or maybe for you, it's canceling the gym membership. You know, and if it's at work and you're on the verge of making one of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life, then quit your job. Because it will be much easier for you to find a new job than for your kid to find a new dad or a new mom. It's time we make some good decisions in our life. Reduce the risk, Solomon says. Stay away from her. The second thing is, Solomon says to his son, do whatever it takes to invest in your marriage. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 to 20 says this, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? Now, some of you are like, wow, I need to start reading my Bible. You know, like I, I just, I know, and this is, uh, more people are going to start reading their Bible than ever before in all of history. It's what it says. I'm just reading to you what it says. <laughs> the grass always looks greener on the other side, doesn't it? You know, whether it be, you know, that job, if I, if I could just have that job, I could just make that salary. If I could just attain that house or if I had her husband. And Solomon offers these words to his son. He says, hey, son, invest in your marriage. Invest in the one that God has given to you. Don't be captivated by another woman. That word captivated there is a word used to describe in other places an animal who hunts and seeks and prays and eventually kills another now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and start stalking your spouse, all right? Let's not get anybody arrested around here for freaking out their spouse, but, but be captivated by him or her. You know, men, pursue your wives as you did when you were dating. You know, women, make a decision in your life that you will continually pursue your husband as you did when you're dating. Why would you want to have that relationship with someone else when you could have that relationship with the person, the gift that God has given to you? Yeah, it's important to establish and practice good habits in marriage. And, and that's why we're going to continue this subject and this discussion a little bit more next week. If you were here last year at this time, you might remember that Dr. Tim Gardner, uh, a professional counselor from the area and conference speaker on marriage, uh, was here and we had a chance to interview him from the stage. We've invited him back. He'll be here next week. And I've just simply asked him to come and talk about how we can establish some, some healthy habits in our marriage. And, and whether you're dating, uh, you hope to date one day or marry one day, whether you're currently married, you've been married a long time. You know, I encourage you. It's going to be a great week. Great week to invite somebody to come back with you. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that next week. But let me just give you just a few things that you can be thinking about, some things that you can do to intentionally invest in your marriage. And again, we'll talk about these more next week. Uh, here's one. First, be transparent with one another. 
you know, in your marriage right now with your mate, with your spouse, practice being transparent with one another. Share your feelings with your spouse. Men, your wives are craving this from you. They are craving this from you. Quit playing the, I can't share my feelings. You know, I'm wounded from my past or whatever. Get some help. All right, if you need to get some help, go get some help so that you quit depriving your wife of that, in, uh, that, 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 that intimacy that, that she's craving. And, and when I say that, I'm speaking to myself right here. And this is one thing that I was reminded of this past week and get ready for this message is that it is so easy for me to get caught up into the grind of life that I show up and just give my wife and kids leftovers. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that kind of husband. I, I want to give my wife that transparency that she deserves. Another thing, share a spiritual bond with, with your spouse. You know, as you center your life on Christ individually and your spouse does this, it's only natural that Christ will become the center of your marriage. And if you invite him to do this, he will, you know, pray together. And my wife and I, we don't pray together every day. All right. But when we do pray together, it feels right. It just feels right. And and it's good. But we pray for each other. I can say that I pray for my wife daily, you know, read the Bible together. And if that's not right for you at this time, then hold each other accountable in, in reading your Bible together. Talk about the Sunday service, you know, and what you're learning together. And if you're always being critical and just talking about things that, that, that bug you or whatever, pray for God to do a fresh work inside of you and get that criticism out of your life and get it out of your marriage. You know, join a connection group. You know, we're gonna have a number of groups starting this summer and this August and get in a group. Another thing, find some time alone you know, date one another, do the things that, that drew the two, to get, the two of you together. I mean, what is it that you love doing when you're dating? You know, spend time doing those things. You know, make it a part of your marriage. You know, and I'll say, hey, I think the dating thing is a challenge. It's a challenge for us as a young couple and young kids, you know, and we don't have a ton of extra cash to pay for babysitters right now, but get creative in it. You know, so, so you put the kids to bed early one night. You know, make, make sure they don't get a nap and you can get them to bed early. You know, throw in a, a 50-cent bag of microwave popcorn, get a movie from Redbox, and for $1.50, you've got a date. You know, and just enjoy being together. Sit down on the porch together, turn off the television, play a game together, play cards or something, but, but date one another. You know, this afternoon, Jenny and I have the privilege, something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We're going to be heading down to Louisville, and, and tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be a part of a, a, a marriage retreat. Uh, it's a marriage retreat designed for pastors and their spouses, and so we're going to be there from Monday through Thursday. This is an investment we're making in our marriage. No kids, just Jenny and I, a few days together all by ourselves. This is an investment we're making in our marriage. You can make that same investment too. You just have to put your mind to it. Another thing, and let's just kind of identify the elephant in the room. If you want to have a greater marriage, get physical, all right? Get intimate with one another, all right? Sex is a gift for marriage given to us by God. Can I get at least one amen from the crowd today? All right, all the men said amen, all right? I'm not going to go into it any further. You can figure it out yourself. The last thing, get help. Get help. If your marriage is in trouble right now, get help tomorrow. Quit putting it off. You know, one of the greatest investments that you can make in your marriage is to go and to sit down with a professional Christian marriage counselor and to say, I need help. Or maybe it's just you. I mean, maybe it's not you and your spouse. It's just you. And you know that you've brought a lifetime of baggage into your marriage and and maybe most of it's not your fault. But your commitment to getting rid of that baggage or dealing with marriage, it is your response, or dealing with that baggage, it is your responsibility. 
get some help. You know, give this gift to your life. Give this gift to your spouse. Get some help now. Maybe you're on the verge of cheating. Or maybe you have. And she doesn't know about it yet or he doesn't know. Please get some help tomorrow. And I just want you to know that your staff here at Genesis and and we are committed to confidentiality. Uh, We don't even need to know the details, but we can provide for you a list of, of some very reputable counselors in this area that are proven, that are committed to Christ and that are professional. And we can even help provide the financial assistance for this if that's needed. But if you need to, get some help. Invest in your marriage. Reduce the risk. One last thing. When it comes to avoiding marital unfaithfulness or or an affair, and this one's brutal, but visualize the potential destruction of a poor choice. I mean, if you're recognizing this morning that you were caught up into Satan's deceptive lure, you know, maybe there's someone else, but it's still way over here. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's more here or, or here. Visualize the potential destruction your choice might create. Proverbs 5, 3 through 5, going back to the beginning of the chapter, here's what Solomon says. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. And there's an appeal to it. And her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Here's the thing. There are things in this world that will look very appealing to you. And that doesn't mean they are right for you. Men, God made you in such a way that you are going to meet other women who are not your wife, who you will find very attractive. Women for you, just the same. But just because we we think that it's maybe something that we need or want or desire, it doesn't mean they belong to you. It doesn't mean that it's right for you. Satan will seek to lure you. And you are going to be tempted to say, you know, I've got this under control Just a few small steps won't hurt anyone. One peak, no one's going to get hurt here. But that is precisely Satan's game. It's this deceptive lure. And what are Solomon's words? Bitter poison. Double-edged sword. Her feet leading to death. The grave. Men, it's like this. Imagine sitting your children down one day and saying to them, kids, you have no idea how much I love you but daddy made a very poor decision. And because of that, I'm not going to be able to live with your mother anymore. And and as harsh as it is to think about something like that, fast forward with it even further. Go five and 10 and 15 and 20 years down the road and play out the rest of the story in your child's life and as they grow and as they choose a spouse and into their marriage and, and into your spouse's life or to that other person's family. It's not a pretty picture. I've played this game in my mind and it's frightening. I mean, it scares me to death. I can't imagine the thought of breaking my wife. I can't imagine inviting this onto my children. I I can't imagine what this would do to my ministry or to this church. The, The thought of all of it is really, it's just too much to bear. But the scary thing is this. It could happen to me and it could happen to you. If we choose to neglect our marriage, if if we say, hey, it'll never happen to me, we set ourselves up for failure. Reduce the risk. Invest in your marriage. 
Don't lose sight of the fact that it could happen to you. That's why, as a church, I believe that we have to take a great stand for marriages. You know, and as difficult as a subject as something like this may be, we've got to say, you know what, we're going to stay the course. You know, we're going to teach what the, the Word of God says. I mean, we need to fight for our marriages, and that's why we need to seek the help of God. And, and as individuals, we need to seek the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit. And in your marriage, you need to seek the help of the Holy Spirit for God to make you strong and, and to heal you and to bring you back together again, that God can give you strength. Do you have any idea what God could do for you? Do you have any idea what God could do in your life right now, in your personal life? Have any idea what God could do in your marriage? God wants to do great things. He, he can write a beautiful story with your marriage in your life if you'd let him. As I mentioned this afternoon, Jenny and I are going to be heading down to Louisville and, and our retreat starts tomorrow. But one thing that happens first is later on this afternoon, I'm going to be performing a wedding. And I've done a bunch of weddings before and, and I'm excited to go back to Louisville. There's a, a young couple, uh, Paul and Bobby, uh, that I'm going to have the privilege of marrying this afternoon. And and I'm excited for it. It's a phenomenal couple, a young couple just getting started into their careers. They, they love Jesus and they love one another. And, and I can't wait to marry them. But do you know why? Do you know why I can't wait to marry them? Because I believe with all of my heart that God wants to write an incredible story with their marriage. I believe that God wants to do something outstanding in their marriage. He wants to take their promise and he wants to, to one another and he wants to increase it. And he wants to show them how beautiful this marriage covenant can be. I believe that God wants to take the physical intimacy that they're going to experience for the first time over the course of the next week on their honeymoon. And he wants to make it even greater in the years to come. He wants to write that story. I believe that he wants to allow them to find the joy of sharing in each other's dreams. I believe that he wants to give them a ministry to one another and give them a ministry to other people. And if they are willing as individuals first and as a couple to keep God at the very center of their marriage, I believe that God will write a beautiful story. And it'll be a great blessing to them and it'll be a great blessing to the people that come around them that God will do greater things. That's just who he is. God writes great stories. If you're here today and you're newly married or maybe you're getting married this summer or something, you know, you're just getting started in this. I want you to know that God wants to write a great story with your marriage. Uh, he wants to do things beyond your wildest dreams, and you can do it. Now, don't grow complacent in your marriage. Stay the course. Establish some healthy habits right now in your marriage. Reduce the risk. Invest in one another. Be accountable to each other and to someone else. And make sure that Christ is at the very center of your life and at the very center of your marriage. And God, God will write an incredible story with your marriage. Uh, he'll do great things through you and in you. You know, maybe you're here today and you're married. You've been married five years or 20 years or, or 30 years, whatever it may be. And, and you know and you realize, and, and maybe it's becoming more clear this morning, that you've, just, you've been heading down the wrong path. Let today be the day where you say we're going back and we're going to get on the right path. Because maybe there's been some poor decisions and maybe you've been caught up in the kids and the commitments and, and the work and all that. Do you know what? God can still write an incredible story with your marriage if you'll center your life on him and if you'll center your marriage on him. And if it hasn't gone the way that you hope, seek God no matter how many years it's been. If you're here today and you're divorced, Know this, maybe there's a, a healing that needs to take place in your life and you are still so very hurt and you are still so very wounded by what's happened in your past. 
If you invite, and I promise you this, if you invite Christ to be the center of your life, he can provide a healing for you that nothing else in this world can offer to you. I promise you this. If there's been adultery in your marriage, if there's been some marital unfaithfulness there, and by the grace of God, you have stuck together and you have found healing and you continue to progress, praise God for that. Keep going. Don't allow Satan to get in the way because God wants to write an incredible story with your healed marriage. And we thank you for sticking back together, sticking together. And if this morning you're here in the middle of it all, you're still together, but you're not sure for how long, know that God can still write an incredible story with your marriage. Watch this. God, we pray right now that whatever work uh, you're beginning in this room, Uh, that it would carry on, that it would continue here even today and even as we leave today. And we give you thanks and we give you praise as 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God, we thank you for Jesus, that he has given his life to putting broken pieces back together. God, I believe with all of my heart that There's a work beginning in people's lives all throughout this room today and in marriages. And maybe today is just the first step. And God, we pray that you'd continue that work. God, I want to pray for that young married couple here today who said, we want to establish these these healthy habits. God, would you give them the strength? Would you show them a way? Would you you put another family in their life right now who can love them and encourage them and support them? God, I pray for that marriage here this morning who they, they know and they realize that they've sort of gotten off track. They're, they're heading down the wrong path, but they realize it here today that today can be the beginning of getting back on another track, God. God, would you show them the next steps? But would you help them to see that it begins here this morning with centering our lives on Christ, centering our marriages on, on Jesus Christ and what only he can offer to us. God, I want to pray for for broken people in this room today. And and maybe they've been the victims of poor decisions. Maybe they they have made some poor decisions in their life. God, would your grace be so thick and so great today that, that we are so moved and we can't resist. We just be able to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and change me and heal me and show me the next steps. I want to center my life on you today. God, we pray for healing. We pray for encouragement. We pray for strength. We, we, we claim our marriages in the name of Jesus Christ and believe there is a greater way. We thank you for Jesus that he's our living hope. God, may we center our lives on you. May we center our marriages on you and believe that you are capable of doing immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for or imagine. We call upon Jesus. We call upon the Holy Spirit to go with us now, to move us now, to change us now. We center our lives on you in Jesus' name.